of Cards, Season 6, Episode 2, Chapter 67 is over, but we're just getting started here on our House of Cards, Season 6 recap here on Post Show Recaps. And now, here are the two guys who never recoil. I am Rob Cisprino, back with Zach Brooks. Zach, how are you? Oh, Rob, I, I hope you can hold my hand through this, uh, through, you know, signing bills and through making announcements. We'll just hold each other's hands through this whole Do podcast. Do not ever recoil from me again. <laughs> Don't recoil. Don't recuse yourself. Uh, don't recant this story that uh, Doug is about to tell you. There's lots of rewords in this uh, episode. Yes. And so here we are to recap an episode <laughs> of House of Cards here. We are, uh, it's all shepherds all the time here on House of Cards season six. Yeah, just shepherding that bill right along. Shepherd, comma, bill. Yes. And. Bill Shepard, he gets his way, and that big, the future bill has been signed, Zach. Yeah, did they ever come up with future as the acronym? I don't know. You know what? That the show has done a very bad job of making me even remotely interested in what this bill is about. I mean, is it, is it just me? Am I being cranky here? <laughs> or has the show, like, it's sort of like, eh, it's, a, it's like sort of like, it seems bad. But, you know, we have no idea what's actually in this legislation. Yeah, they just kind of yada, yada, yada it with uh, Seth when he was on CNN. And he said, this is getting rid of outdated regulations. And um, I guess just like, you know, some they're just like, oh, it's just boring regulatory bill. Yeah. And I mean, every, everything in House of Cards, right, is just like a chess piece. Like this bill might affect people, but it doesn't actually mean anything to anybody on the show. I mean, it might mean something to Bill Shepard, but to Claire, I don't think she cares one way or the other. Uh, she's just using it as a, as a tactic to, to keep her power. Right. So we don't really know why the Shepherds want it so bad. Obviously, this is something that's good for them. We really don't know why Claire is so against it. We don't know what it will do. We know that the Shepherds were somehow involved with this chemical plant and some, and, and, you know, they seem to be, you know, at best somewhat reckless in terms of uh, what they're doing. We, we just, that it's such a non, entity the the bill who cares yeah and i i think that's probably the what's what house of cards wants they don't want you sitting there like digging through what the policy of the bill would mean they just want you to know like this is a piece that is being moved between these two chess boards and it's going to take some regulation off of the shepherd family because they apparently own this company that i thought it was like a tech company that they owned but apparently they also own like chemical plants and they just have their hands in all sorts of industry in this house of cards world even though we've never heard of them at all before mm-hmm. this season. There was never a mention of anything Shepard. Uh, we had that big meeting last year that with all or last season with all of the um, the, the guys, guys weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> where Bill was Shepard Greg Kinnear would, would be there? Yeah. The, where I wasn't Bill Shepard there. Maybe he was. So. Maybe he was just like uh, he was glamping while everybody yeah. else was out there. So I I hear you like uh, the, the bill who cares, but that they sort of made it like the end of the episode that uh, she signs the bill. So uh, I feel like that it, it got very important in terms of season six. I mean, only eight episodes here. We're a quarter of the way through the season through two episodes. 
Yeah. And I feel like we don't really understand where we're going or what anybody's motivations are, uh, especially Claire's. Like, I don't understand at all what Claire wants or where she's going with any of this. And, you know, maybe some of that is coming with these flashbacks that we're getting pieces of. But um, the in the relationship between the Shepherds and Claire Underwood is really strange. Uh, it's so nothing is very clear after two episodes. I feel like this muddied the waters way more than the first episode did. Yes, uh, waters are very muddy, but I think that you heard from Claire uh, what she wants, where I saw in the scene where she's talking with uh, Doug Stamper that, you know, he's asking her about what she wants or what she wants to do. And, you know, Frank did bad things. It doesn't mean that she can't do good things to make up for what Frank did. So you really think that she's trying to be good because I got less of that sense from this where she's bullying the governor of Ohio and, you know, she's doing all these underhanded things just like Frank did. And she even calls herself out on it. Yes. So, you know, maybe what the show is trying to say is that Claire has good intentions and even people with good intentions uh, get get uh, brought over to the dark side. And um, and there is there are no good people in this political world. See, I would like it to be that. <laughs> I really would, but uh, I re- I just feel like that we are on this trajectory of that. It, like Claire Underwood is almost on like a "My name is Earl" type mission, where uh, just to give you that line that she says to Doug Stamper, she says the best way to not be associated with his questionable deeds is to do good. And I just think that the show is trying to distance uh, Claire Underwood and Robin Wright as far away from the. Frank Underwood character and yes that she learned a lot from him but I I really think that she is going to be seen as this you know hopeful protagonist and and I'd be very surprised if she has a downfall at the end of this season yeah I mean now, I don't want to jump too far into the episode, but um, we did see her at the end meeting with a doctor and prognosis negative. So, you know, I don't know exactly what that means, if that's prognosis negative for Claire or for somebody else. But uh, are we setting up for Claire getting some sort of disease and dying a hero? Um, I I. I don't know if that's how the show. We'll talk about end. that. That was yeah. that was interesting because uh, you know we had debated on the last episode, and I am uh, ready to uh, apologize to you. That I felt like that when Claire said Frank's death was so convenient, I felt that gave me a glimmer of hope. I was like, "Ooh, maybe we're going to get this reveal that Claire Underwood killed Frank Underwood because she's like, uh, wouldn't that be so convenient if he just died? But not convenient necessarily for her, even though it does turn out to be very convenient for her, and she does mention that with Doug Stamper." about how that there you know this was ultimately a good thing for the two of them because they're unencumbered by Frank Underwood. There there is that scene at the end of the episode where she walks into a house and she there there is that talk about the uh the prognosis not being good and we don't get any context on that. No, it was really weird. I you know, I thought we were going to get that scene kind of paralleling the scene of uh, Mark Usher and Bill in the Oval Office. But we just get that one little clip. Um, so I'm sure we will be going back to that. And, you know, there were you know, that was another non sequitur in the episode, kind of like the flashback that we just got one little spot of the flashback in this episode. And um and we're just seeing these things kind of intertwined. And I wonder if we're going to see that throughout the whole season that we're seeing these these small storylines that are going to pay off towards the end. 
with the mention of the prognosis not being good, uh, I thought that maybe there was a chance. Was is it possible that she was going to see a doctor that was Frank's doctor, who was maybe telling her about Frank's condition? Is she sort of like separately looking into the cause of death for Frank Underwood? That would make you know that could make sense. Um, it was interesting because we didn't see her in like a doctor's office. It looked like she was in like an attic of somebody's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no secret service or there was nobody else. It was just her meeting with this doctor. So, you know, and it was, I think it was at night also. So I can't imagine this is like her primary care physician who's giving her some prognosis, but it, it definitely means something about somebody. Yeah. I don't know. Um, there's not that many other characters in Claire Underwood's inner circle. So I feel like that it would probably have to be something, you know, pertaining to Claire's health. I mean, it could be a trick and it could be something about, you know, that she's uh, discovering something about Frank. And it turns out that, you know, his um, his illness is what killed him. But that doesn't seem like that's the direction the show is going. No, it almost seemed like it was like a pregnancy type thing, which it's not. And I think there was, there was a time a few seasons ago where we talked about like, is Claire Underwood pregnant? Um, I feel like that was in like the third season. We might've talked about something like that. Uh, I don't think that's where they're going, but that's what it reminded me of. Like she's meeting with a doctor and you know, well, maybe like your prognosis, you're losing the whatever baby, but uh, I don't think that's what it is. Yeah. In season one, I think she wanted a baby, right? I think that that was like sort of like, or they sort of decided that they were going to have a baby, but then they just like walked, walk that back right yeah and then there was all the stuff with the egg also yeah we they went the egg running be, yeah <laughs> yeah i don't remember if it was you or somebody who wrote in with thinking that it was a, a pregnancy type thing no no it was just a, another thing the show uh sort of you know hung out there but did not uh explore um I guess let's talk about Claire as uh, her interactions pertain to all of the shepherds uh, in this episode. Um, And so she ends up in this confrontation with uh, with Annette Shepard, Diane Lane's character. And, you know, uh, what what better frenemies Uh, name more iconic frenemies uh, ever? Uh, I'll wait. Yeah, they were uh, they had a really nice standoff in the bathroom. It reminded me of Mission Impossible that came out over the summer, Uh, except instead of fighting, they were doing curtsying together. (laughs) Yeah. So in the beginning of the episode, we see Claire that she is uh, bullying the governor into calling this state of emergency. So she does not have to be involved with uh, signing this bill for Bill Shepard. But it seems like that there was, you know, some legitimate cause for concern here after there was some sort of a chemical leak in the city of Bellport. Uh, Zach, can you give us a- any other information about what what's going on here in Bellport? Um, yeah, so the Ohio governor who we actually saw in the last season, um, he was bullied by Frank, very similar to how he was bullied by Claire, into shutting down the polls. And um, this was on election day that there were there was terrorist activity possibly in Ohio. And Frank threatened him and said, you know, you're losing in the polls right now. Um, if you don't shut down the polls, we can make it look like you're trying to have voter suppression by having a dangerous uh, polling location. So, you know, he is very familiar with being bullied and threatened by the Underwood administration. Okay. So they're on the phone during this episode and they start talking about how the air quality is really bad, the water quality. Um, and 
you know, they were just giving us piece by piece as to what happened. And it turned out it was a, a chemical plant explosion. And, you know, very offhandedly, people in the episode are just like, oh, yeah, people died. A couple people died, you know, like basically like no big deal. Um, these are factory workers and uh and civilians who live in the in that community who lost their lives mm-hmm. due to um, what seems like was a really unsafe plant that kept ignoring EPA warnings and um, inspections. Right, that this is some sort of a subsidiary of you know the Shepherd organization, and you know at best they were negligent. Yeah, okay. and um, yeah, Shepherds, like I said, just have their hands in all these different pots. You know, a chemi- chemical uh, facility right mm-hmm. up their alley with the, you know, whatever whatever uh, tech startups they're doing yes. as well. And, um. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll get into this because uh, House of Cards does like to get into their uh, tech and social media spying storylines. So um, we see Claire is getting a tour of the facility. She's being, you know, uh, very proactive on all of this, and uh, she's asking a lot of questions about where is Shepherd Unlimited on all of this. So, you know, why she's asking the right questions, seemingly. Yeah, and you know, nobody should feel unsafe in their own home is what she tells them, and um, you know, she is there for the people of this community, um, and even goes and tours a house while she's there. Yeah. Uh, it says she sees somebody walking around. It's like a ghost town. Like they really completely evacuated the mm-hmm. city. Um, but she claims she sees somebody walking off in the distance. Did she? I can't imagine that she did. I didn't see anybody in the house. I think that everything was just abandoned. The house they left without even turning their water off. They yeah. got out of there so fast. They had to fast. get out so fast they couldn't even turn <laughs> the water off. Uh, but yeah. uh, Claire Underwood tries to get everybody to drink the water and nobody's willing to do it. I did like that move. That was a good move to to test them. Be like, is there actually? I don't. I don't know what she was going for there. Like, I think everybody agreed that there was a problem, <laughs> um, and there was already media attention. So, like, she's like, "Yeah, drink this water." And when they wouldn't, it's like, "See, I told you that there was something wrong here." Right. Like, everybody seems to already know that. But I do feel like that there is a slight difference here, where that Claire Underwood seems legitimately concerned for the people of Bellport, where that Frank Underwood would be concerned of the politics of how he looks dealing with the situation in Bellport. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't get the sense that she was really that concerned with people. Um, I, I felt a lot like when, you know, Frank Underwood would go and tour, you know, these areas where some disaster had happened in previous seasons. Um, I mean, I I don't know. She's walking around. She's looking at the house. Um, You know, she does have her flashback while she's in the house, but it, it, it's weird. They all have their gas masks on, but she just takes hers off and can tell that it's, it's now safe. The air is safe, but the water is not. Um, Yeah. I don't, I don't know what Claire is trying to get out of this. Let's talk about her, her flashback here. Yeah. Okay. So it was short. It was just the one scene where her parents are arguing and her mom tells her that pretty girls have a responsibility for their beauty. Why can't you do as you're told? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Claire Underwood, she's not going to listen to people that tell her what to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, you know, ties in with the end where Frank Underwood told her, why can't you do as you're told right before she died? And she said, I am my own woman. I'm doing what I want. She won't do what you tell her. <laughs> yeah, is that uh, 
Sorry, we don't need to get into any, any musical, <laughs> any musical parodies right now. Yeah, we don't. We don't need to get into the uh, the Underwood off uh, right now. But yeah, that, Claire Underwood, she's her own woman. Can't tell her what to do. Yeah, f you. I won't do what you tell me. Yes, that's right. Perfect. Okay, so here's where the plot thickens. Okay. Tell me what are the shepherds up to where they've got this, you know, uh, terms of service on their app. And boy, this is a, a real dark plan that the shepherds are involved in. Yeah, like you said, the House of Cards, they do love their evil technology, and it uh, looks like we've got Polyhop 2.0. <laughs> Polyhop, uh, thank you. I could not remember yes. for the life of me what this was. What happened to the original Polyhop? Uh, well, I mean, maybe they just got shut down after all their election tampering, and um, they were so involved. I can't remember exactly where we left off with them, but they were so involved with uh, the Conway campaign and helping him out mm. that you know, maybe maybe, you know, what some people expected would happen in real life to some of these tech companies actually happened to Polyhop and they just got shut down. They got shut all down. Users left. OK, everybody's off of Polyhop, but we see that the shepherds are up to no good with the help of Seth, who works at the Shepherd Freedom Foundation, that they basically it, tell me if I'm wrong here. Tell me if I'm not if I'm not <laughs> reading the situation correctly. It seems like. The shepherds, uh, through their, you know, massive corporation, create massive disasters and then set up places where people can get help. And to get help, you need to get the app. And then when you, you get the app, then it controls like what news stories you see on your phone. That's the way it was described. So it's like uh, they have the same plot as Mr. Glass and Unbreakable, where they create these disasters to find uh, everybody that they that they can touch through the disasters. I don't mm -hmm. know if you've seen Unbreakable. Which but, one? So, the, 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 the new one hasn't come out yet. No, no, just the original. All right. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, everybody should see it before the sequel comes out next year. OK, maybe there's a podcast in the works. Yeah, the M. Night Shyamalan uh, Shared Universe podcast. Yes. That. yes. All right. So that seems like this is a crazy plan. I don't know what the app does. I don't know if it's that you can see what you do. I think it's just that it installs like tracking on your phone. And, you know, it's probably like all of these other apps where when you download it, you give it access to your camera and your microphone. And um, I think it's more that it's just tracking all of these people who have downloaded it. Yeah, but I don't know what what they get out of it. I thought it was like an app to receive their benefits, so you can go on there and you can apply for different aid and you can apply for help from this foundation. Um, and the guy who was signing up for it was very interested in the terms of service, more interested than anybody's ever been in terms of service. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it is like uh, that. There's an old South Park episode where uh, they use the iTunes uh, terms of service uh, means that they're like uh, you know horrible things are going to be happening to them, and because they didn't read the terms of service. Well, I mean, they say that if you read, like if it, you took the time to read all the terms of service for the different uh, the different apps that you download, it would take hours. I mean, like there's like not a physical way that somebody could read all of their terms of service that they sign up for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So something is going on with the app. It seems like that they are 
trying to at least, you know, uh, create some problems so that people have to uh, download the app. And so Claire is going to go to some sort of a uh, like gym that's been set up for the victims of Bellport. Yeah. And this actually looked really familiar for me because um, before, you know, long before I was podcasting with you, I actually spent some time in AmeriCorps and we did disaster relief and we spent time in a community center that had a gym that was set up like exactly like this. Um, and FEMA was giving aid to people and Red Cross. So for me, this was like, I was like, oh, wow, they, they actually did. They nailed this. This looks spot on to what I was uh, used to seeing when I was uh, on disaster relief. Okay. So they nailed this, but here comes Claire Underwood and, you know, here's uh, Annette Shepard is, you know, front and center because the Shepard Foundation, uh, Shepard Unlimited needs to be seen as being very proactive. And Claire starts asking whose idea was it to leave the ring on the bed? We find out that Frank's body, I guess, had been dug up in this episode. (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah. To send a message. Yeah, there's no security watching over Frank's grave or I mean, I guess they wouldn't have a security all the time. But um, you'd think somebody would see a body be buried up, especially uh, for a former president and like a VIP person like Frank Underwood. Mm hmm. And so uh, we have this uh, moment where they are cl- Claire in this in this photo opportunity to be seen with the with the pre- uh, with Annette Shepard. Annette Shepard holds up Claire's arm, and Claire pulls it away. It's the recoil heard around the world. <laughs> yeah. It- you know, can you imagine if this happened in real life that somebody just grabs the president's hand and like lifts it up like that? Like, I don't know. I think people don't act towards Claire like she's the president at all. They just act like she is just some other citizen. Mm. So you feel like that there should be more security around uh, President Underwood? Well, yes, I, I do think that there should be. I don't know where S- Secret Service is for anybody in this episode, <laughs> uh, but also just like respect as well. I mean, I get that they have this power dynamic when they're behind closed doors, but in front of the cameras, there's like she's talking to Claire Underwood like she's just some person, like no respect towards Claire, and then grabs her hand and lifts it up like that, where I could see Claire doing that to Annette, but. Uh, it just seems like the the power dynamic is like, way off for their public image. Yeah, well, uh, I'll tell you what, Annette did not like that. And boy, did the media pick up on it. And so we end up seeing uh, Millennial Douche. He's back, Duncan. <laughs> yeah, I hope that um, something bad happens to Duncan this season so that we can say someone was Duncan on Duncan. D- Duncan is so bad, Zach. <laughs> I, I feel like he looked older in this episode. I think he's aged like five years. Has he since aged? The premiere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we had then like a whole like talking head segment on CNN about the the recoil. Yeah. I was hoping that we were going to get memes and remixes like we did in season one with uh, Frank stumbling on CNN. But mm-hmm. it looked like they were just taking that that one boomerang of the president's hand being lifted up and just playing it over and over and over again. Yeah. And. This is something that comes up earlier in the episode. Uh, there is a, a press conference, a White House press briefing. And I, I got to be honest that, you know, if if House of Cards wants me to be like, I guess this is part of the problem that I, that I have with some of this stuff. Like the, the dramatic White House press briefing is so much less dramatic <laughs> than any actual 
White House press briefing that there has been in a couple of years of, uh, you know, like that the, oh, one of the reporters asked, uh, oh, is, is, excuse me, is the president going to, was she going to divorce uh, President Underwood? And then. <laughs> It's like, is that the reporter from TMZ? Like, what what White House reporter is asking that question? I, I, I don't know. But then uh, we had to see uh, Mark. Mark had to jump in. Mark Usher ushered out the uh, the assistant press secretary, and he's going to field the press conference. These names are really spot, like really on the uh, on the nose here. Like I said in the last episode, we have Bill Shepard and then we have Usher, who's also ushering in these new power players and these new bills. So, um, I yeah, I guess they're really going with these these heavy handed names for their metaphors this season. All right. Well, following what went on with uh, Claire and the recoil herd around the world, uh, Annette Shepard is not feeling good about the plan, but Millennial Douche thinks it's working. Yeah, he says we're just going to keep feeding the media with this and uh, we're going to we're going to get things on our side and, and moving forward and. I, I don't know what is he just trying to put bad publicity out there about Claire? I don't know what his goal is. Who? Uh, nobody knows what millennial douche's angle is. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Duncan. I, son, I, son douche. I mean, I guess he's like the and he's the tech guy who's got the is he? stealing. Uh, yeah. They said that he's behind this app. Um, he's the one who's working with Seth to get this app out to all of these people. And so he can whatever you can turn on their cameras and their microphones and steal all their valuable information. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Claire is, uh, you know, talking with Mark about, uh, what's been going on and Mark wants her to sign the bill because Mark is somehow in bed with the shepherds. Again, we don't really know why or how. And again, he's meeting in like a broom closet or like a coat room with Annette Shepard, no secret service anywhere around. Nobody seems to like notice that the vice president is sneaking off into this room or is standing in this area. Like there's no security anywhere. It, it just seems like he's a regular guy. He's yeah. not treated like he's the vice president. And then he and uh, Miss Annette Shepard uh, start to hook up. Yeah. And she reaches in his pocket and uh, just like all the other people, she wants to know what his secrets are. Yeah. And he's got a lighter in his pocket. Yes. And then this was so bizarre. He's like, no, I just like to I just like to light it. And then uh, like, what are you, a pyromaniac vice president? Yeah, he's uh, well, he used to be we well, used to be a smoker. So now he's got to do something. You know, he just plays with his lighter and he has uh, what did he say? He has the patch now. I don't, I don't know what he has. Dumb. <laughs> All these former smokers on this up on this show. We've got Claire, Frank, Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just um, three, but. yeah. So that that was wild. <laughs> that was pretty wild. Um, we we end up seeing uh, Mark with Claire also, and uh, Mark doesn't like the new press secretary. No. Um, and do you recognize the new press secretary? No. What is she from? So, well, she's from this show, um, either last season or the season before. She was the one who was hooking up with Tom Yates in the press room. Oh. Uh, and then Tom Yates disappears. And in the finale, she was asking uh, another one of the reporters where Tom Yates is because he's always around. And all yeah. of a sudden he's disappeared. OK. Um, we find out that uh, Claire Underwood really likes uh, this new press secretary. 
Yeah, she's a real up and comer. She was so excited to the press secretary was so excited to be out there and uh, and talking to the press for the first time. It's like, you know, she's getting her big break mm-hmm. it's great for her. Yeah. Claire likes her because she she's honest and, and we need we need someone who's honest representing us. I, I believe her honesty. Again, this is not the, uh, you know, underhanded underwoods that we're used to. Yeah, I, there's got to be more to it than that. Maybe it's that she just gives the honest appearance because um, she's trying to she's trying to not look like Frank. But I can't imagine that she actually really wants an honest press secretary out there. No, no. Uh, Frank wants uh, Seth out there. Right. Or Sean, who's been suddenly pushed off the show. <laughs> and I don't know if we'll see him again. I forgot what happened to him. Yeah, well, he was just the pre- he was the new press secretary. He uh, he had worked with Hammerschmidt at the Herald and mm-hmm. he was investigating the Underwoods. And then Frank brought him on board. He didn't get his um, contract picked up. Yeah, it could be. Maybe he's on some new Netflix show. Yeah. Were you excited to see Tom Hammerschmidt on CNN? Yeah, I, um, I'm surprised that that CNN would have him because it seems like he I would think after the last season would be looked at as kind of like a conspiracy theory guy because he had all this stuff saying that. Uh, you know, Frank Underwood killed Zoe Barnes and all these things that Frank Underwood did. And uh, it seems like he's been proven wrong, at least on some of it, um, even though he was right on. He was smart. But yeah, I find that I don't ever see on CNN where they're like, uh, all right, let's talk to Tom Hammerschmidt. Like, oh, I'm just a grizzled old reporter. I'm here in a shirt like everybody else is like in like a suit and tie. It's like, ah, what's the use? Yeah, Let me does so- he work. Does he work for anybody now or is he just a, he's just, I don't know. I think he's a little rough around the edges to be on cable news. Yeah. Maybe he's a podcaster now. (laughs) That would be fine. If you want to say he's like, he's got his own thing. Uh, sure. I could buy that, but it feels like that, you know, he could put a jacket on to go on TV. Yeah. Um, I guess everybody else was pretty dressed up in that scene. That's true. I mean, do you ever see on one of these like roundtable shows where somebody is just like, just like, ah, whatever? It's you know, it's a it's a new casual CNN show. They're all sitting on the same side of the table. It's just you know, just people sitting around a table having having some discussion of current events. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So uh, the app is really bad, uh, but good news: there's some flooding going on in Florida. Get get the disaster relief team down there. They could get people to sign up for the app. Yeah. So do you think that uh, that the shepherds are behind the flooding in Florida? I don't know. Well, because they're, like, they're, that's why they have the global warming. Is that is that what's going on here? Where they're, the, ca- yeah. they're causing the global warming with their machine? <laughs> right. So step one, ca- cause global warming uh, with our chemical factories. Number two, then uh, get people to sign up for the app when there's a 50, disaster. People. It's totally worth it. 50,000 people. <laughs> Yeah, um, we find out that uh, Mark Shepard, uh, that he was going to take the suite that Frank Underwood did. He it seems like he wants to do everything Frank Underwood was doing and he wants to walk in his shoes, wants to know what his last couple days were like. Mm-hmm. Zach, let's talk about this big scene between uh, Claire and Annette. The bathroom scene, the bathroom. Uh, what would you call that? The the bathroom meeting, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so that. Somehow, Claire and Annette, they're, they're like best friends, but they're also worst enemies. Yeah, like you said, frenemies. They go way back. Uh, Annette was hooking up with Frank she Underwood. She hooked up with Frank Underwood point. in 1998. Yeah. And, you know, this, this show, again, like talking about Frank Underwood's uh, sexual encounters. It's like they're trying to remind us uh, that the actor and the, and the character are not that different, I guess. Yeah. 
I am not really sure how this transaction went down. Where uh, did, did Annette want Frank Underwood and he had to sleep with her to get something? Yeah, well, it sounds like it was a fundraiser for him when Frank was uh, when Frank was in the 98 campaign, which was a very contentious election, apparently. Very contentious. But why did Frank Underwood have to sleep with Annette? Oh, I think, you know, sex is all about power, right? So oh, I, I, I guess so. So he that she was she wanted the power over him. Yeah, I think so. I don't really know what uh, we're, we're supposed to take away from this. But uh, Annette found Frank Underwood to be lacking as a lover. Yeah, it said he, he just wasn't really into it. And again, I was like, all right, are we really going to go here on this show? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And then he, Annette is saying that I bet it wasn't that different with you. Yeah. You must have been thinking, what have you been denying yourself all of these years? Yeah. You could have been with a much better lover all these years. Uh, really, I pity you, uh, really. Uh, and then, thankfully, you know, Claire ends this conversation. Yeah. And instead, they go to what I thought was going to be a dance off. I really thought they were going to have like a ballet. What the hell was this dance? dance? Like, uh, can you still do it? Oh, I can still do it. What, what was this? What, how did we? It, it was like the black swan all of a sudden. It, it definitely was because they looked very similar right across from each other. Um, I think it was like a Texas curtsy. Um, which I don't know much about uh, Texas curtsy culture, but um, they they kind of bowed down and did did a curtsy against each other to see who could do it better. Uh, they, I was so lost. Yeah. Do you want to? We could turn the camera on and we could both do a curtsy across from each other. <laughs> <laughs> we could we could announce that and talk about the play by play. I mean, which was the more bizarre thing, where uh, Claire and uh, and Miss Annette Shepard were doing the curtsy? Or when Bill Shepard is making hollandaise sauce. <laughs> yeah, and was he just eating hollandaise sauce with a spoon? I, I don't know. Zach, that, uh, you, you're a, uh, a chef. Yes. What, what was going on here? What, what, is he making hollandaise sauce for the entire <laughs> catering hall? What is? What does Bill making- Shepard do in his spare time? I think he's just tweaking the hollandaise sauce. Maybe it didn't have enough lemon juice in it for him. Is this his uh, catering hall? <laughs> I mean, they own a chemical plant and they own apps, so I'm sure they probably also own uh, some sort of venue where you can get hollandaise. Best hollandaise sauce this side of the Mississippi. Like, what? Like, what is happening? Why are we watching Greg Kinnear make hollandaise sauce? Is like a power move. And there were all those bowls, like, in front of him, too. So, Did he fill um, them all? <laughs> It didn't look like it was very sanitary. He's just sitting there, like, breathing over this hollandaise sauce as he makes it. So there might have been lots of germs in there. I don't know what's going on. But the future of the country is at stake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It all rests on some hollandaise sauce. All right. So... We hear for the first time about Frank Underwood's will. Uh, You don't want Doug Stamper to get his hands on Frank Underwood's will. Now, was this a plot point at all previous to season six about Frank Underwood's will? I don't think so. Um, But, yeah, I think, you know, this is the first we've heard about it. And it seems like he must have left a lot of something to Doug Stamper. Maybe all of his money, maybe all of his secrets. I don't know. What does Claire care about uh, Frank Underwood's money? Yeah, I mean, maybe it just looks bad if Frank Underwood left all of his money to the guy who took, uh, you know, took the fall for killing Zoe Barnes. I mean, do you find that Frank Underwood has a lot of money? I'm sure he has a decent amount of money. 
I don't know. I mean, he's sort of been like a, you know, a, a lifetime in politics. I mean, it's not like he had like, you know, the uh, Underwood, uh, you know, uh company where you know he was like making money from all this stuff i mean he was never out of office to collect you know they say that presidents make money when they get out of office i think don't presidents get like a lifetime salary after they're out of office i'm not sure i'm not sure exactly uh that but i'm, I'm sure frank underwood's not broke but i don't think claire underwood is hurting for money no but frank underwood also started that foundation as well yeah, I guess so, so. There is a lot of money in that foundation. Um, I mean, what else? I don't know. What else do you will somebody besides money? Cufflinks. Kids. Yeah, cufflinks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if Doug Stamper finds out that you you are holding back those cufflinks, well, then you got another thing coming. I, I was happy to see the return of the cufflinks. More happy to see the cufflinks return than uh, Tom Hammerschmidt. Zach, okay, so we see where Claire leaves that conversation. She was not happy uh, with that conversation. She ends up running into a man who I guess is some sort of like a Ninth uh, Circuit representative. And she's talking to this man. She sees that somebody is filming her. And she ends up saying that the reign of the middle-aged white man is over. What what is going on here in this scene? Does Claire know that she's being that somebody's filming her with an iPhone? Is this is Claire unaware of this? Is this going to is this going to run on the app of all of the people that are you know the disenfranchised people affected by the chemical spill? Who are also you know the the one guy that we did see is a middle aged white man, so <laughs> the guy that was really uh, maybe, into the app. So yeah, did, maybe this is it. Yeah, did Claire? What's going on here with this? I don't know. I kind of took it to look as it was some sort of setup. Like the guy was asking her about disrespecting the military, and then the person starts recording right at that point, and she sees it, and so she knows. Like she's she's up she's up on whatever they're trying to pull on her, um, and so. She, they might have been trying to catch her doing something. It wouldn't surprise me if it was Duncan that was the one who was recording her. We didn't see the person who was behind the camera. Yeah, uh, we don't know. But I, she looked at the camera. I thought she saw the, that she was being filmed. Yeah, I think she did. And so that's when she, you know, she's like, I'm not going to say anything that's going to get me in trouble here. But that's uh, when she said the reign of the middle aged white man is over. So I, like, was she saying that because, hey, then this will get like a lot of retweets uh, if I say this or. Yeah. Yeah, so she, was, she wasn't speaking. She wasn't speaking to a middle-aged white man. So yeah, uh, but I feel know. like that, that she might have that conversation, you know, with that with that guy. But that maybe not something that she would want to have, you know, uh, put out there on social media. Yeah, it is interesting that she talked about Bill Shepard. Maybe maybe she was behind it. Maybe she wanted this to get out because um, you would think Bill Shepard's party doesn't want her talking about Bill Shepard uh, being this evil yeah. guy. I don't know. They wouldn't want that getting out. So we're very, uh, maybe we're, this was we're very confused. Plot. We're very confused. Yeah, we're probably going to see this video drop in like the next episode. That's kind of the way House of Cards but does. Honestly, I, I don't know if the video – like, yes, we will see this video. This is uh, Chekhov's uh, Snapchat. But yeah. will, will, it be, will it play for her or will it not play for her? Oh, I think it's going to be good for her. I, yeah. I think this is all in this new and, – and Frank Underwood is a middle-aged white man. So, yes. you know, this is more of her distancing herself from from Frank. Okay. All right. Uh, so um, let's talk a little bit about Doug. Let's fold Doug back into this. Uh, what's going on here with Doug in this episode? 
So um, Doug runs his play where he is finally able to uh, get out of the psychiatric hospital where he's been staying all because he stole his doctor's cell phone. Mm -hmm. And Claire would like to have him drugged. Yeah. Um, And, you know, again, Claire, Claire wants him drugged, even though he has uh, substance abuse problems in the past and the doctor didn't think it was a good idea. But um, but Claire told him to do that. And, you know, Doug is onto it. Doug says, that he doesn't want to take those drugs. He doesn't want to be drugged up um, and distracts the doctor long enough. I actually went back and watched that scene again between Doug and the doctor. And I didn't notice it at the time, but Doug is looking at that cell phone the whole scene when it's put down. Um, the doctor gets up to open the door and, and Doug looks right at the, at the phone. And you can tell he's going to grab it. Okay. All right. So Doug gets the phone and then he puts in a call, to, what, to the district attorney? Yeah. Um, and tells her that he is going to recant his story and um, that is going to make her have to recuse herself um, because the story for him and, and her big break is not going to be prosecuting him, but it's going to be prosecuting Claire Underwood for what she's done. Okay. All right. So th- this all leads up to where we're going to see Doug and Claire Underwood have a meetup finally. Yeah, in Doug's house, the return of Doug's house that we haven't seen uh, in a couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess we saw it at the end of last season because he was under house arrest at the end of last season. Okay. So Doug is uh, no fan of Claire Underwood. Does she win him over to some degree? Uh, I don't think that she wins him over at all. It seems like not even with the cufflinks. No, I think he's just as suspicious of her. And I think he's going to be uh, another one of the the characters in this show who's trying to take Claire down. Um, even though she tells him we need to get rid of Kathy Durant and then both of our problems will go away. Right. Because we can make a brand new start like a utopia if we can just get Kathy Durant. I'm excited that Kathy Durant uh, could be in, in the works here in season six. Yeah, I think that we thought um, she was dead, baby. Yeah, because she got thrown down the stairs. Then I think they said that she was going to recover. Yeah, it's just just a light stair falling down in the that back stairwell that's like all concrete. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's tough. Yeah. All right. So will Doug Stamper survive these final six episodes, Zach? Uh, yeah, I think Doug Stamper will. Um, I don't know about a lot of the other characters, but I do think Doug will be uh, one of the last remaining cockroaches on this show. I think that Doug Stamper will not survive the final six episodes. Oh, man. And who do you think takes him out then? Uh, I don't know, but I just think that there that Doug has been a tortured soul through five seasons of uh, like, has he ever been happy? Has he ever really been? You know, I don't know where they could put him that ultimately he he has like some peace of mind. Yeah, I I feel like it's almost like a mercy if you were to, if you know, somehow, you know, uh, Doug was going to die. Yeah, give him his peace and he can uh, be in the afterlife with Frank Underwood. Yeah, serving at the hand of Frank Underwood in the afterlife. For all of eternity. It sounds wonderful. And beyond. Um, And Leanne also. He can can be reunited with Leanne as well. Right. And so Claire tries to say that she didn't think that Leanne had to die. She fought against it. Do we have any any, uh, hints on this from the season five stuff? 
No. So we don't really know exactly what happened with Leanne. Leanne gave uh, Jane Davis back all of the information about Polyhop and how Polyhop was involved in the election. Um, I also think that she I think she got her gun back, which was found in Ada McCallan's hotel room. Mm-hmm. And then Leanne is driving. Um, she's scared. She calls Doug and realizes that somebody is uh, following her. She, Doug tells her to come to his house. So she's supposed to be going to Doug's house. And then this car runs Leanne off the road before she can get to Doug's house. Okay. So Claire gives the cufflinks. That's when she ends up leaving and she has one final meetup with the shepherds, Bill Shepard and Mark Usher. After we see her at that doctor and we touched on that already, but then she is going to sign the bill. Yeah, not without the steadying hand of Bill Shepard, though. They they sign it together. Yeah. W- anything symbolic about, you know, he, he forced her hand. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's probably what it is. And um, it just shows, you know, this guy and all of his money is really the one who's making policy happen in this administration. Not necessarily. I mean, we haven't seen anybody who's actually has any power on this show. We haven't seen any of the senators or congressmen um, or anything with this. It's just been... Claire Underwood deciding to if she's going to sign the bill. Um, also, are most bill signings like the middle of the night? Aren't they yeah. usually public events? That seems odd. That uh, like I, I feel like that if it was uh, on Twitter, like uh, Maggie Haberman is like uh, Trump signed a, a bill at uh, three o'clock this morning. I think that people's heads would be exploding. Yeah, I guess all the norms have gone out the window <laughs> now that Frank Underwood has broken them all. Yeah. Um, There's one condition Claire Underwood has for signing this bill. Put the ring back. Go dig Frank up again. Put the ring back on his finger and then take care of that. Which seems like a lot of work Um, because now you've got to think that they're going to be watching his grave if they know he was dug up. So uh, they're going to have to dig him up again, pull him out, get the ring back on the finger. It's just a lot of work. Yeah, that does sound like a lot of work, but uh, that's... I mean, who's going who's gonna to check? Is Claire Underwood really going to go back and, and then dig him up and... She might as well just give see. the ring to Doug also. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Just give him all of Frank's jewelry. Okay. All right. So anything else from Chapter 67, Zach? So, you know, we talked about... Um, we talked about Kathy Durant being brought up in this episode, and we think that we'll probably see her again soon. Do you think we're going to see Raymond Tusk in this season? I almost feel like that last season when we saw him was like the goodbye to Raymond Tusk. Yeah, I just it's weird that they brought him up. I would think, you know, if they bring him up, then maybe we're going to see him one last time. Maybe we're going to see, you know, summer camp part two and everybody's hanging out at his retreat. Maybe Uh, I doubt we will get summer camp for the guys because we have ladies summer camp. Oh, girls trip. Yeah. Maybe Kathy Durant is back there. Uh, We can have uh, Claire Underwood. We can bring Davis. Jane Davis. Yeah. I I think that, you know, a girls trip could be exciting. Yeah. That could be a really fun spinoff for this show. Uh, Once everybody's done with their power, they're just living that party life. Okay. So did we get any feedback for this episode, Zach? Yeah, we got a couple emails. Um, We got one from Johnny D. Silvera. Okay, what did Johnny have to say? 
I'll ask again. This show has to end after this season, right? There's nowhere. There's yes. no way Claire can make it out of the season alive. I think they already announced that the show is ending after this season. <laughs> uh, yes, this is the final. This is the the final run. Maybe there's a spinoff. Who knows? But this is it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's any I mean, you know, like I said in the last episode, I was higher on this show continuing after the first episode with this one. It just feels like this episode had a lot going on and also nothing going on all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is the big story of the season? Are we are we trying to figure out what what you know, why do the shepherds want this bill to happen? Well, the bill has happened, so I think we're exploring just how the Shepherds are so involved in uh, in everything that has gone on behind the scenes in House of Cards, and then also this parallel track of what actually happened to Frank Underwood. Uh, yeah, I guess so. And then, uh, you know, is Doug going to give up Claire Underwood? Yeah, I, I, I feel like that just seems like that's too convenient to steal word from Claire Underwood. Um, when he was meeting with the district attorney, that's not going to go as easily as uh, they think it's going to. Okay. All right. A- any other questions about chapter 67? Uh, yeah. Brennan Fitzpatrick sent one uh, right down to the wire right before we started recording this. Uh, and in, in true Brennan Fitz- Fitzpatrick mold, he asked a question relating this show to Game of Thrones. Uh, how much of this season, if at all, do you think Game of Thrones use and portrayal of Cersei as a ruler influenced the character of Claire so far this season? Well, I think we have to see how it plays out. But uh, ultimately, you know, um, I, I don't think that that uh, the comparisons uh, will be that close once we get to the end of the season. I, I just really feel like that we are uh, going to go on a hero track way more with Claire Underwood than we ever did with Cersei Lannister. I think as Cersei at times was sympathetic, but never a hero. Yeah. And he does bring up um, some ways that they compare with each other. I don't want to get into too many of the specifics just because I don't want to spoil Game of Thrones for people, but talks about how they both came onto the rule um, uh, and in their power and then talks about that they both have flashbacks from their childhood, which I did get uh, a Cersei vibe from that Claire Underwood flashback that we saw in the right. first episode. Right. But the difference would be that and, and uh, minor Game of Thrones uh, spoilers coming. When Cersei Lannister became the ruler, she did not say, okay, we're not doing things the way Tywin did them or the way that Robert Baratheon did them, that we are going to now, you know, put my agenda first. You know, that she was, you know, uh, more like, how do I, you know, make my enemies pay even more? You know, she didn't have like this noble agenda that she was going to like the only way I can make up for what people like my father and what my husband did was I, I need to do right for the people of King's Landing and the Seven Kingdoms. Right. Uh, if anything, she went the other way. She went even more ruthless right. than the other people. Right. Which uh, I think might be a little more of a compelling, uh, you know, in the style of House of Cards, because that's what Frank Underwood would do. But it does not feel to me like that's what we're doing here in the Claire Underwood era of House of Cards. Yeah. I do wonder if what this season is building towards is just more and more reveals about how the shepherds have been influencing things from the very beginning with Frank Underwood. And we just Mm -hmm. didn't know that they were that they were playing this role behind the scenes. I think maybe it's possible. Um, 
I, I just think that Claire Underwood is going to take down the Shepherds and then uh, be applauded with, you know, huge approval numbers by the American people. And that's how it ends. It just ends with her, her taking down the shepherds, having rule over everybody for four years. And that's the end of the show. Yeah, I don't know if we get to Claire running for reelection. It doesn't seem like that we're doing time jumps here. So I'm not sure exactly what sort of a note we end this thing on. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we are doing this, uh, this tie in with Cersei Lannister and Game of Thrones, you know, maybe Garrett Walker comes back into the mix and she goes up against Garrett Walker to end the series. <laughs> What's oh, the, the, the White Walker, <laughs> the white Garrett Walker? Yes. <laughs> yeah. The middle aged white Garrett Walker. <laughs> OK. All right. Next up, we'll have uh, season six. Episode 3, Chapter 68, coming up in our next podcast uh, in a couple days. Zach, let me just take a moment and thank uh, one of our sponsors here. And those are our friends over at betonline.ag, the exclusive partners of the Podcast One Sportsnet. Here at Podcast One, uh, we have a, a number of our talented Podcast One hosts who are matching wits in uh, the Podcast One Sportsnet Challenge. I have been uh, graciously invited to participate. I am uh, picking football games every single week here in the uh, Podcast One Sportsnet Challenge. And I'm happy to say that I am uh, doing uh, quite well, Zach. You would be proud of me. Oh, that's great. Did you have a good weekend? I had another good weekend. I went five for five again. Uh, Unfortunately, everybody ahead of me also went five for five, except for Shaquille O'Neal. So oh, Shaq, Shaq oh, uh, he knows basketball, not he knows, he knows basketball, even though he's uh, one spot ahead of me. But uh, no, Shaq blew it. Shaq blew it. And so uh, he had the Cowboys on Monday night, which was a big mistake. Just like those clutch free throws, Shaq just can't sink it in. He couldn't he couldn't get it done. But that being said, uh, so much going on here. And I'll go for three weeks in a row of uh, five for five picks. Uh, but the winner of the podcast one sports challenge uh, will be getting uh, five thousand dollars for a charity of their choice. So a, a very good cause. All of this uh, tomfoolery. But uh, I'll tell you where they're not fooling around. BetOnline.ag because they are going to give you a 50 percent sign up bonus with with promo code podcast one it's the midway point in the nfl with college football see that zach i know you love the college football i do it's been a very up and down season for my team this year michigan state but uh things have been looking better the last few weeks yeah things are not up and down for alabama certainly never uh and notre dame for johnny de silvera clemson ucf all having uh really nice seasons in the nfl the rams the saints the chiefs the patriots all looking real good. Only one place to get in on all the action. BetOnline.ag. Don't wait any longer. Use promo code PODCAST1 to get that 50% sign-up bonus. That's PODCAST1 for that 50% sign-up bonus uh, in the NBA, Milwaukee, Toronto, and the defending champs, the Golden State Warriors, all starting off on a good note. And in the NHL, Toronto, Nashville, Pittsburgh, all off to the great start. Don't miss out on any of the incredible action going on at BetOnline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST. One 50% sign-up bonus, your online sportsbook experts, and the exclusive partner of the Podcast One Sportsnet. All right, Zach, we only have six episodes left to go here in House of Cards Season 6 and Series House of Cards. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Johnny DeSevera's teams are doing so well. You said Nashville, Notre Dame. You know, maybe he'll get his wish and House of Cards will come back for Season 7. Is that his wish? 
Well, it sounds like it from his, uh, you know, from his email, he seems like he wants it to come back if it could. Yeah. Okay. He's a big fan. I think he's already done with the whole season based yeah. on the emails we've gotten from him. So uh, he's listening to this and laughing at all of our wrong predictions. Now, have you seen a lot of hype on the social medias about the House of Cards season six? So I did see an article on Uproxx like two weeks ago that said the season was really good. And I mean, it was long before the season even came out and um, they copy. said it was good. Yeah, I do think I th- I think I saw the ringer, you know, your favorite wrote an article about it, but I didn't read it. I just saw the headline and I don't even remember what it said. But um, hopefully that people like the season more than the IMDb people do. OK. All right. We'll see. We'll see ultimately uh, what happens. I have not seen a lot of buzz. No, I don't think people are really talking about it. I think uh, there are real uh, elections going on today. So uh, that seems like that has kind of captivated the minds. Maybe after the election is over, people will dig into the House of Cards. Okay, maybe. It could be sort of like a Thanksgiving uh, type binge. <laughs> yeah, sit around with your family and <laughs> watch, watch the House of Cards. The, yeah, argue over the House hey, of Cards politics. This isn't your, your, uh, your dad's House of Cards. This is, the, this is a House of Cards for a new era. It's Claire Underwood's time, baby. Yeah, this isn't House of Cards for the middle-aged white man. Okay. All right. So, that being said, Zach Brooks, uh, follow Zach on Twitter. He is at BrooksZA. I'm at Rob Sestrino. That email address, if you want to send us uh, Chapter 68 feedback and beyond, put the chapter title in the subject. And then uh, underneath, don't write like a big spoiler in the first line, uh, like space, 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 dot, dot, dot. Dash, dash, dash. And then and then write whatever you want. Yeah. Write it all out in Morse code and <laughs> write it all out in English. Yes, please. Okay. Please. Uh, we try to be mindful of the spoilers. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Take care. Bye.